You want to turn your Bible to John chapter 13, that's where we'll be tonight, John chapter 13. Uh, a few weekends ago, I mean, two, three weeks ago now, we went to, Kath and I had the uh, opportunity to take our, our teenagers to college days for half of the trip anyways, and uh, while I was out there, I had the uh, opportunity to preach on what they call the uh, teen bus or the night bus, and pretty much in, in Chicago, what we do is we pick people up in the morning get up around 6, and then we'll go to Chicago, get there around 8, pick people up, get to church by 1045, we'll have church. Then after church, we bring everybody home. People who want to come back for night church, they eat with us at McDonald's, and then we go back to night church. And then after night church, we bring them back to Chicago. And on the way back, we have what's called our teen bus, where we preach the teenagers and the adults. And I had the opportunity to do that in my old division. And then on the way back, after we drop them off, we go back to Indiana, all the men, all the college men, and we have what's called the preaching bus, where uh, we get uh, all the men preach to each other pretty much, challenge each other. And I had the opportunity to preach to the men from my two old divisions, five and uh, Division 5 and Division 2. Well, anyways, uh, Elson uh, was talking to me. He came up. He's like, man, he's like, Brother Zach, he's like, that was awesome. He's like, you're so smooth on the bus and speaking. He's like, when you're back home, you say um all the time. He's like, but man, when you're, when you're on the bus, he's like, you were smooth. And he's like, that was good. I, I didn't recognize that. Thanks, Elson. So I'm trying to say, not to say um tonight, but maybe I'm a little more comfortable on a bus than on a, on a pulpit, right? John chapter uh, 13 is where we're going to be tonight. Jesus' uh, ministry here in John chapter 13, it's, uh, it's coming to a close. Um, he, he's done his time, all the miracles and the different things with the disciples. And now here in this chapter, his ministry is it's coming to a close. And he knows that, and he's meeting with his disciples I read a quote one time, it's the, cl- it's the close of his, his biography, so to say, it's coming to the, rap of, uh, the, the end of it, and I, I read a quote one time that said, Jesus is the only biography that does not end with a death, but I rather ends with life, and I thought that was pretty cool. But we find here in John chapter 13, a familiar story of Jesus, and he's washing his disciples' uh, feet, and it's a familiar story, and we've all read it before and heard sermons on it, but what I want to do tonight is just take a closer look into the story. And just for a few minutes, not long tonight, I want to look into the life of Jesus and the example that he clearly gives us in this story and in this chapter. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Dear Jesus, thank you for this night. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me through this uh, time that we have. And I pray, Lord, that we just have a great night and a great week. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. I was reading this chapter a few weeks ago now, John chapter 13, and I, I started to just kind of slow down in my Bible reading and just kind of focus. And every so often, you just kind of get into a chapter and just start to study it and read on it. And I start to study and read the commentary on it and different, what different people had to say about it and underlining and looking up words and doing a word study. And the truth that's in this chapter, in the first part of the chapter anyways, in my opinion, is so powerful and can be so helpful. You know, a pastor talked about tonight about politics and in the in the crazy world that we live in when they're with, with an election and, and politics and all the things going on around us, the Cubs are going to the World Series, so God's coming back, something's going on. But all the crazy things that are going on around us, sometimes it can be, you can be fearful, you can be scared. And where we find our true peace and where we find our, our, uh, our stableness in our life and our happiness in our life is through Jesus Christ. And he gives us a formula here in this chapter He gives us an example of things we can do to have that true peace, to have that happiness in our life. I want to pick it up in chapter 13, and we'll read uh, verses 1 through 5. Follow along as I read. The Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, 
that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. I want you tonight to really think about what's taking place here in this story. Custom back in those days, obviously their roads weren't paved and they were dirt, dusty roads and they wore sandals. And so the tradition or the custom was when they came into a home, uh, the servant would wash his master's feet. And sometimes he wouldn't even do it every single time. Sometimes it would just be for the guest. If the master had a guest over to his house and the servant would come and he would get on his knees and he would wash his feet from the dirt and the dust from the road. It was a very menial task. It was, it was very lowly. It was, it was for the servants. It was for the lowest of the low. It wasn't glorified. It wasn't put on a platform. It was a very menial thing. And here we find in this chapter, here's Jesus Christ, God in man himself, creator of the universe, savior of the world, and he's bending down on his knees to wash the dirt and dust of his disciples' feet. A powerful thing if you really just think on, think on that for a minute. And immediately you see Peter, and he's, if you read on, he's, he's taken back by it. And he's telling Jesus, no, don't wash my feet. You don't need to wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. And he's taken back by what Jesus is doing. But what Jesus is doing here and giving, us, giving the disciples the example and giving us as Christians the example, and that is Jesus Christ exemplifying humility to everybody. You see, he knew the disciples had that competitive nature in them. They had that competitive spirit in them. You know, so often they, they, they start to bicker and say, well, who's going to be the greatest among you? And who's going to sit next to you? And who's going to do this? And who, who's going to do that? And so, so many times as humans, we have that same thought process. And we can deny it, but as a human nature, as our flesh, we come into church and, you know, we look around and we compare ourselves to different people and we want to get our opinion out there and we start to judge people and maybe, hey, where do I rank in the importance of the church and just different things that go through our mind, our human nature, just like the disciples, we have that same competitive spirit. And Jesus says, hey, hey, hold, hold on, before we get to any of that, I want to show you what I really bless. I want to show you what really matters to me. I want to show you the example that I'm going to give you that I want you to follow. And that's an example of humility. Humility in your life. You see, we have heard it before. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less. And where we can find different, we could, in our life, it's not something you're going to wake up overnight. You're going to wake up, oh, I'm humble, I'm full of humility. It's something that it's a, Paul says you die daily. It's it's a, it's a chore, it's a burden, it's something you have to work at, something you have to strive after. And we find in the Bible, and there's different avenues that you can take, different things you can do in life to try to uh, allow yourself to experience that humility that Jesus has given the example of. I noticed right off the bat, Jesus is showing them humility through service. He's serving his disciples, he's washing their feet. Can I tell you tonight... And I tell you this every time I get the opportunity to preach is get involved in some kind of service and outreach in our church. Whether it's the bus ministry, whether it's a Sunday dinner, whether it's uh, the soul winning, whatever it is, you get involved in some kind of service. Because I can tell you this tonight, whether you're a soul winner or you're in a bus ministry or you're in something where you're giving yourselves to others, it's very hard to think of yourself when you're working with other people, when you're helping other people, when you're praying with other people, when you're 
and trying to help their families and, and give them advice out of the Bible. It's very hard to think about yourself and what's going on in your life. You find yourself, instead of praying for your problems, you're praying for their problems and going to God on their behalf. You know, we have a boy in our bus ministry who Kath and I signed up uh, maybe about a year ago now, and he's come to church every single Sunday. And the first uh, time we signed him up, we talked to his mom, and we haven't really talked to her much since, but he's, he comes every week, and he loves Mr. Vasek, so I let Mr. Vasek go and visit him on Saturday, and he you know, takes him out for lunch, and every time he sees Mr. Vasek or me, he gives us a hug, and he just loves church, and he loves everything about it, and he's been coming for about a year now. Well, three months ago, uh, some of you have heard, and we prayed for him in the church, but his, his stepdad, who he lived with, his mom and his stepdad, just passed away suddenly. Just that, I think, 45, 50 years, 50 years old and just passed away suddenly. Well, this past weekend, um, two weeks ago, I guess now, Mr. and Mrs. Vasek and Pastor Miss Amy were out of town on a, on a conference. And if you didn't know, Mr. and Mrs. Vasek are big-time speakers now in fundamentalism, going to speaking at marriage retreats. But because Mr. Vasek wasn't here, I, had, I went and visited this boy, and I knocked at his door, and his mom came out, and she kept him inside. And I haven't talked to her in a while, and... Called her by her name and asked her how she was doing. She said, hey, I just I want to let you know something. It's like, if you can just pray for, for so-and-so. You know his, his stepdad and my husband you know, passed away suddenly three months ago, and he's, he's going through a lot. She's like, well, his biological father, I just got a call yesterday, and he's a strained relationship with him, but he keeps in touch with him. And he uh, just had a stroke yesterday, and they said it's not recoverable. And so now I'm going to have to take him out of school for a week. I'm going to drive him down. Pretty much to say bye to his dad. And sure enough, this Sunday, he didn't come to church because he was down in Tennessee saying bye to his dad because his dad did pass away a couple days ago. I think about this boy, 11, 12 years old, losing his stepdad and his father within a three-month span. And if that happened to me, where I'd be or what I'd be doing at 11, 12 years old, what thoughts would be going in my head? And here's this boy who, when I think about the issues he goes through and I think about what's going on in his life, you know, it's very hard for me Think about myself and my issues and my problems. They're, they're, they're not important. But instead, going to God on behalf of, this, behalf of this boy. You know, when you're in service and you're helping and you're working people, it's a great avenue for humility. And Jesus gives us that example of humility through service. Another avenue of humility is, is through prayer. When you go before God and you take 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes a day and just kind of stop your day and you go to God and, and you pray to him and you talk to him and you really get in his, get in his presence and just kind of not really talking and not really asking for things, but you're just in his presence and you're thinking about how good he is and how good he's been to you and where you should be and what you deserve. And you're in there thinking about all the stuff he's done for you. Man, it's a very humbling experience. It's a, it's a place where you can really find humility. And Jesus in this chapter, right off the bat, he says, number one, we don't need, we don't need opinionated. We don't need judgmental. This world doesn't need Christians who are judgmental and have their opinion and are, are trying to get what they want to say out. We don't need that. That's not no effect. That's not going to do any good. Jesus says, slow all that down. Forget all that for right now. What we do need is we need Christians who are full of humility. We need Christians who are ready for service. We need humble Christians. Not only does Jesus give us the example of humility, but we go on and we read verses uh, 13, chapter 13, verses 6 through 11. You can follow along again as I read. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. 
Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to save, uh, to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. I want you to notice the word wash. And if you do this study, it's an awesome study, but you notice that word wash in verses 5 and 6, where it says, And he began to wash, and then uh, cometh to Simon Peter, Jesus saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Notice that, ver- that word, that word translated in the Greek is N-I-P-T-O, and I'm probably saying it wrong, nipto, is the Greek word. And the translation for that word is to wash a part of the body, to wash your hands, wash your feet, wash your head, wash a part of your body. But notice the word washed in verse 10, when it says, Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed needeth not to save to wash his feet. That word washed in verse 10 is a, translated in the Greek, L-O-U-O. I'm not even going to try to say it because I'll be off on it, but L-O-U-O. And that word washed means to bathe all over. Say, so why, why is this important? This is important because Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and he's trying to teach us the importance of a holy walk, a holy lifestyle. You say, what do you mean? When you're saved, when you come in and you're saved and Jesus forgives you of your sins and you're going to heaven, you are washed all over. You never have to be washed all over again. Once you do it once, praise the Lord, you're saved, you're going to heaven, your sins are forgiven, you are washed, you are clean, you're washed all over. But so many times as Christians, when we go out in the world, we trip up and we fall and we get defiled and we get things on us that we need to get rid of. And that's where that other word wash comes into, into play where wash a part of. It says you don't need to wash all over again, Peter, but you do need just to maybe wash your feet here because you've been tripping up. And it's, a, it's an example of a holy lifestyle. God sees not just giving us the example of humility in this, in this story, but he's giving us the example of holiness. See, God doesn't want us just to be humble Christians full of humility, but he wants us to be Christians that strive to live a holy lifestyle, a life full of holiness. We hear pastors say oftentimes how holiness is just like a foreign word almost in our circle, and people almost get scared of it. But it's important as Christians that we keep our feet clean or our lives clean, and we try to be holy. Why? So we can have a direct communion with God, and we can have that relationship with God where we can know him, where we can talk with him, where we can receive his power, and we can receive his love so that we can be effective Christians. See, if you're not living a holy lifestyle, you're not going to have power from God. You're not going to have a relationship. You're not going to have the love of God to help people. Not asking to be perfect tonight, but am challenging you to follow the example of Jesus Christ when he says, be holy for I am holy. When you mess up, the Bible says, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When you mess up and and you trip up in life, you go and you don't have to wash all over again because you're saved, but you do need to get right with God and confess your sins. Say, God, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I get this. I wash this out of my mind, my heart, and I want to do everything I can to remain a whole, have a holy lifestyle so that I can have direct communion with you so that I can talk with you, so that I can experience your power and your love. You know, I hear oftentimes at, at youth conferences and, and uh, rallies, they challenge the teenagers, walk with God, have a relationship with God. And that's not just for the teenagers, just because they're young. That's for everyone to have a relationship with God, to try to live a holy lifestyle. And right off the bat, here's Jesus we find in this chapter in John saying, listen, forget about everything else. I want you to be, have a life full of humility And I'm going to give you an example of having a life full of holiness. See, what this world needs, especially in this time, 
It's not like I said, Christians who want to, you know, you go through social media and everything, and everyone wants to give opinion, and everyone wants to say this and that. And at the end of the day, that's not what matters. At the end of the day, Jesus says, you want to make a difference, I challenge you to be a Christian full of humility, a Christian that serves other people, a Christian that lives a holy lifestyle so we can have direct communion with God, so God can have his power on their life to use them in a way they never would have imagined. A life full of humility and a life full of holiness. But here's the key, and here's what I love. Look at John chapter 3, verse 13, I'm sorry. John chapter 13, same chapter, but verse 17. Here's what Jesus says. He says, if ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You want truth? This is where it all comes together. It's where Jesus kind of brings everything together. He says, hey, you want to have a life full of happiness you want to have a peace that passeth all understanding? Can I tell you tonight, you're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it in a book. You're not going to find it in a prescription drug. You're not going to find it in a person, in a place, in a song, and in whatever thing that's temporary. You want peace and happiness in your life? Jesus says, you want to be happy? Do these things. Live a life of humility. Live a life of holiness. Strive to be humble. Strive to be holy. And then you can experience that true peace in your life. And when everything crazy is going on in this, in this world and we have our responsibility, as Pastor said, as American to vote and everything else that goes on and maybe can be scared and fearful, everything else can go on, but we can remain stable. We can remain confident because we are living a life full of humility, a life full of holiness. Walk humbly, serve others, strive to live a holy life that obeys God's word, and you will have that peace in your life. You will have that true happiness in your life. It's awesome to see in this chapter how Jesus just brings it all together with two simple things, humility and holiness, humility and holiness, humility and holiness. Every two words that Christians should strive to have in their life. Two words Christians should do what they can to live so they can be effective Christians. You know, I was work at True Green, and I uh, had a meeting the other, other, other day, about a week ago now, and they had a big corporate guy come down, and he brought everybody in the branch together and said, all right, ask me a question. Ask me any, any, any question you want about service. How can we improve for a better 2017? What can we do to, to, to be better as a company? And someone asked him a question, I don't know, some silly question about fertilizer or weed control or something. And he got up there and he's, and he's like, oh man, I love talking about it. It's like, this is a passion of mine. And I remember sitting there and just kind of, you know, just chuckling to myself and thinking, man, I have one life. I don't get a second chance at life. I don't, I don't get a do-over. And, man, I don't want the passion in my life to be business, to be a dollar bill, to be some job, some career, something that I'm chasing after that's got no substance to it. I want the passion of my life to be Jesus Christ. I want the passion of my life to reach people. I want the passion of my life to serve people, to make a difference. And we can find that happiness, that peace in my, in my life, in my marriage, in my ministry, in my family, in everything. I want a peace. I want a happiness that comes from God. I want that to be my passion. I want that to be what I pursue. And that's what we should all want in our lives. And Jesus, very simply in this chapter, when you just take a closer look, says, forget everything else. He says, live a, hum- a humble lifestyle. Live a holy lifestyle. You do those things. You strive for those things. You let that be the passion of your life. You have a sincere humility, a sincere uh, striving for holiness, a sincere uh, desire to be holy. 
that, man, God will give you a happiness and peace in your life. No matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter what's shaking you right now in your life, you only find peace, you only find happiness from God through those two things that we see right here in John chapter 13. And I don't know, Christian, what, you know, if God spoke to your heart at all and just in this really just short time to look in the Bible, but I would challenge everybody to ask God how they in their life could be more, have a life filled more of humility, following Jesus' example. A life full of holiness, following Jesus' example. See, we're not going to find our, our faith. We're not going to find confidence in a politician or example in some, or an athlete or some kind of superstar or something. We need to be following as Christians, not the example of a man, but the example of Jesus Christ. And he gives us that so clearly in the Bible time and time and time again. And that example of being humble, that example of being holy. And I challenge every single one of you tonight, have that desire. Go after that desire this week and see what God will do in your life. And see the peace that will come in your life that will pass all understanding. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'll pray and I'll hand it over to.